Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, Oliver here. Today I interview Richard Berger, one of the co-founders of SwapFets, the largest bike subscription service in Europe. It's a great discussion on solving the job to be done for biking and micromobility. I had a heap of fun doing it, and I hope that you do too, listening to it. We actually did this as a webinar for our Triple M subscribers who were able to ask questions. We do calls like this on a regular basis. We've had Ryan Japetsky, the founder of Jump, Kara Swisher and Felix Salmon, the founders of Spin, the head of Segway's business development, and Joe Krauss, the head of Lime, all on the current state of the industry. On Triple M, we also have a Slack channel to talk with others like you with an interest in building the future. Plus, you get discounts to the Micromobility Conference, swag, and more, all for 100 bucks a year. Check it out at micromobility.io. Otherwise, I do also want to give a shout out to Micromobility World, our first all-digital conference running from the 27th to the 29th of January in 2021. We have some of the biggest names in the world of owned and shared micromobility, including the CEO of Lime, disruptive innovation specialists including Gene Munster and Benedict Evans, urban design legends such as Janit Sadiq Khan, and top folks from the world of investing coming together to talk about how to supercharge the micromobility revolution. Tickets are free before the end of the year with a VIP tier for curated community participation. Register again at micromobility.io. It's going to be awesome. And now, here's Richard. Hey everybody, my name's Oliver, um, and I have with me today Richard. How are you today, Richard? Hey, good day. Nice to be here. <laughs> Excellent. So, really excited to have you uh, here, Richard, to, to talk about this. Um, I've heard of, uh, I'd heard of SwapFiat's, and, and it was obviously quite a big, uh, well, it's now quite a big deal, but I'd heard about it kind of probably f- three, four years ago. People were talking about it as a sort of a wonderful way to try and get access to a bike. And uh, I've always loved this idea of a s- subscription model. So I thought um, we'd take the opportunity to do a webinar and do a bit of a podcast and, and recording and talk and chat about it. So um, maybe maybe what the most useful thing to do would be if you could give me kind of a background for yourself and then your other two co-founders and kind of how you got into doing this uh, and then and then kind of talk through what Swap Vietz has ended up becoming. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a long story, right? We're going to fill half an hour with that already, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but first of all, uh, thank you for having me. I think uh, me and my team and, and many of my colleagues, we follow the newsletter uh, very closely, at least the micromobility newsletter, we follow it very closely. And uh, uh, at least once it, when, when it goes live, then, uh, then uh, uh, at least we have the management meeting always on Tuesdays. So then it goes live and always someone is distracted in reading the newsletter. So uh, Happy to receive the, the invitation uh, to be here and uh, glad glad that I can uh, explain something about Swapfeet. Um, so first of all, yeah, Swapfeet started six years ago. So last Saturday we were we had our six year anniversary kind of online get together. So if you already heard from Swapfeet three years ago, then I think we were still quite small. Uh, I guess some some couple of ten thousand customers. Um, but we started in in Delft 
uh, Delft is a city in the Netherlands. It's a typical student city. And me and my co-founders, we were studying uh, maritime engineering at the Technical University. And um, we're all three big fans of road cycling. So uh, going out in the weekends, uh, cycle with our friends. And from that, we had a discussion on, you know, buying old road cycle uh, bikes, uh, racing bikes and, and refurbish them and sell them. And then that, that conversation switched to uh, buying high end quality uh, racing cycle bikes um, and, uh, and sell them for or rent them out for the weekend for people who want to go like climb a mountain or so. And that actually pivoted <laughs> to, well, what is right in front of us like the the city market the daily commute that also has the benefit of wants to have the benefit of 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 using a bike but doesn't necessarily wants the hassle of owning a bike um and and that really uh was for us like a light bulb moment that say okay uh, there are so many people so many friends ourselves around us that own a bike and still find it a hassle you need to buy it maintain it uh, bring it to the repair shop walk for a few days and and pay more than you expected at the repair shop than uh, uh than maybe you you would have um so so that's what okay let's let's switch that around and let's as a company keep the ownership and just provide the bicycle as a service uh you just only use the bike to go from a to b and if there's anything that prevents you from that uh you just give us a call and then we'll be there and that's the idea that's the concept how we started and uh uh, yeah and today uh as you say uh quite quite big already 220,000 active customers in uh, six, almost seven countries right now. Um, and um, yeah, I think we we uh, we had a significant impact in that. There's still a lot to go. Yeah, I mean, when when uh, when you had a, when I was doing the research for this and you told me it's 220,000 customers, and I thought, oh, that's, that is, of you know, you're at that point now where you're starting to get a little bit of heft and it's quite exciting uh, to, to sort of see that there's um, that shift across in the, in the consumer market. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things I want to unpack in this. So um, one is, I mean, maybe if you could kind of provide the context of what the ownership and, and biking experience is like in, in the Netherlands, because for a lot of people who haven't been there, yeah. that, that to me was the most surprising thing when I was in Amsterdam last year was just how pervasive it is into everyday life but then also the challenges as you say of like what your everyday experience would be when you own a bike yeah um and the kind of the the externalities or the problems with that and 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 what those what that creates yeah that's that's a good one yeah for me uh it's of course i'm practically born on the bicycle i think uh in the netherlands you have uh 17 million people you have 20 million bikes so you have more more bikes than people living in this country of of being in this country uh so yeah there's a lot of biking around um and and currently the way that you the the main way that you use a bike is actually you you buy one either new or secondhand um, and you either repair it yourself or you bring it to the repairman or uh, you don't repair it so you just cycle around without proper lights proper brakes or stuff like that um, I think the, 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 we have pretty good infrastructure facilities in in, uh, in the Netherlands all around uh, where, where people are pretty used to cyclists um, so that that's again a thing that is already very long in, in, in our in our culture in the way we, we live um, so that's also why people said, hey, why start a bicycle company in the Netherlands, right? Because already everybody has it. 
But the thing is that we, we actually don't bring yeah. a new bike or so. We just bring a new model. Uh, it's a service model. It's it's totally different than, than the, all the hassle, the, the mind sp- headspace that you need to take into account of owning a bike. And and I think there's in general sense a more more larger shift of going from possession to use. Eh? Look at look at for example Netflix, look at Spotify, look at all those kind of things that you don't want to own tons of DVDs, you just want to watch a nice show. And that's I think the same with, 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 with mobility. You don't want to all own all these all these products, you just want to make use of it. And there's actually no better place than where we started, uh, because that's where we quickly learned from our customers, quickly adopted, uh, and really learned that it, we need a high quality bike to deliver very good service. Uh, and with that learning, with that concept, uh, we scaled it across uh, Northwestern Europe uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that the the idea of the shift to uh, job to be done. Like Horace, our co-host for the podcast, um, will often time. I mean, he, his his background is in that training of um, disruptive innovation and asking that question of what is the job to be done that you're trying to solve for, and and in some ways a bike is an amazing thing to be able to solve for in the Netherlands, which is it's a highly dense downtown. Um, and and for getting from a place to point A to point B, it's a great way to do it. But actually. It really comes down to, yeah, I know, but the ownership experience still kind of sucks. And so, uh, you know, for all those reasons that you've sort of alluded to. Um, so talk me through, because this is the thing in terms of like, who's actually using your service? The, the Where I heard about it was from uh, friends of mine who were students who were going to Amsterdam for a year. And it was like, well, I don't want to own a bike because that's, a, you know, I could buy one for 20 euros, probably stolen. But, you know, um, I'm going to pay effectively like a hundred and something euros, but then it's all taken care of. I mean, talk me through the sort of who the customers are and then and then what that um, the sort of price points would be equivalent if they were to compete with um, other things in there. That's a good one. Actually, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a discussion we have, I think, all the time uh, with people that we explain the concept, but also, uh, of course, uh, people who are, are a customer, but are, are still not a customer. Uh, but in many cases, I think uh, we really focus on the daily commute, like the, the, the ones, uh, the persons that use their bike for a daily commute through the city. Um, if you are one day in a city as a tourist, for example, then swap piece is not the right concept for you. Um, but if you use your bike on a daily basis and are actually very dependent on your bike, uh, then swap piece is the perfect solution for you. Right. So, for example, uh, working people, uh, young professionals that just need to rely on their bike to get to their job uh, and don't have the time or don't want to take the time to also repair, maintain and sell and, and, and stuff like that. So so we focus on the on the daily city commute. That's our, actually our target customer. Um, and you're right. I think we, we started uh, as students. I mean, I was uh, uh, I had, I, uh, the first three years of building the company. I was also together with my co- co-founders trying to gradu- graduate, and you know, in the end, also succeeding in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. we were kind of our own customer, uh, and we ex- expanded rapidly in in the student market um, because we really know how to address that customer, how to talk, where to find them, uh, and really what the pain point is that you are trying to solve. 
Um, but in the end, of course, eh, uh, students uh, grow up and they start uh, getting jobs and they start uh, moving to other cities. So we really saw the need of our concept also in other target groups and in other cities and in other countries as well. I mean, we're talking about the Netherlands as a main cycling country, but our second largest city in our portfolio right now is Berlin. Right, so Berlin is is with I mean mm-hmm. almost twenty thousand members. Uh, it's an uh, amazingly large city right now. So um, we shifted from purely bre- being a pure one hundred percent almost student brand uh, to right now I think uh, a very more wider brand with I think forty percent or so is still student, uh, and which the majority is is young professional, and that's is very shifted per country. Like we have a higher percentage of young professionals in Germany, for example, uh, and in Denmark as well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so the bikes, they, they're, they're very distinctive because they always have a blue front wheel. And yeah. That was, uh, I loved that. Uh, I loved that aspect about when I was in Amsterdam. I was like, oh, that's a swap. That's when I really kind of like grasped how big you were, was yeah. just walking around and <laughs> realizing every second bike in some of the areas was a swap fit. So you started out just kind of repairing old crappy bikes. But, you know, what was the process at which you kind of got to a standardized bike? And then are you, do you have a particular model that you're using or have you started developing your own custom kind of hardware? And how do you think through that part? Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Once you start noticing the blue tire, then it's like everywhere, <laughs> and uh, it's yeah. also. I mean, it's a genius marketing decision. Whoever came up with it. <laughs> yeah, well, I would love to take the credit for it, but uh, it's of course a, a co-creation kind of thing. But now, just just a small anecdote about that. We just we started with two blue tires, right? So we said, okay, the bike is nothing new, but the concept that's something new. So we need to make the bike recognizable to let people see, hey, this is a swap feeds and this is not. And so we said, okay, let's scroll through these uh, items and have a nice color on them. And then we said, okay, let's do two blue tires, right? Because Delft uh, is famous for Delft blue porcelain. So let's do blue. Uh, But then repairing these old bikes and and throwing away good tires, uh, that's a waste of of material and time. So we said, okay, let's do one blue tire uh, and let's do the front tire because that's most easiest to repair and the most visible thing. And I think that's a decision made in, I guess, two minutes. Um, so, uh, yeah, right now it's straight out. So, uh, <laughs> we love it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, so, but, but nice. the, the process nice. on the bike is that we started minimal viable, right? We, we funded this with our own uh, savings uh, and we didn't have uh, the money uh, to buy new bikes, uh, let alone uh, we thought we could make it with secondhand bikes. Uh, but that was a reality that soon when we had like the first 40 bikes we bought somewhere uh, on uh, online uh, and, and we fixed them ourselves. But 40 different bikes means uh, 40 different parts, 40 different qualities, 40 different standards. And it's not the expectation that you want to give to your customer, right? To your customer, you want to give a standard, solid and very good uh, uh, expectation, uh, a good bike so that it lives up to their expectations. Um, so we soon realized that if we want to scale this business, we want to go to uniform bikes, right? All the bikes need to be the same. And the only way to go to uniform bikes is to buy them new. Uh, and if you buy them new, you better be designing them yourselves because that's the point in time where you can say, hey, I want this part other than that part. And because the, the best thing I guess about this is it because we as a company remain ownership over the product, we have a return flow of material and information. 
so we can see what is breaking down on the bike, uh, how long it takes, how, uh, uh, how expensive these parts are, how expensive it is to repair, all those things we need to take into account to actually um, 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 uh, yeah, to repair it and bring it back to our customers. So we had a very strong incentive to, to create a very high quality and durable bike so that first of all, our customers are not standing still all the time. And second of all, we have low operating costs. Mm. Uh, so that's, that I think, the most, yeah, I would say genius about this concept because we as a company have a strong alignment to make very strong bikes and our uh, customers also uh, benefit from that by standing, uh, by having less, yeah, like idle time, so to say. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, that explains and, a bit. And so the bike, yeah, so what are the bikes, if I may ask? Yeah. So right now we have three bike types. Uh, we have the typical Dutch granny bike, we call it. It's, a, it's our Swapfeet's original. Uh, it's a, a one-geared bike uh, with, for the countries besides the Netherlands, we also have a handbrake. Uh, but if you've ever been in the Netherlands, it's this typical Dutch bike where you very, sit very straight up. It's a not so sporty bike, which is really, it's a real comfort bike. Um, that's the one that we have. We have our Swapfeet's Deluxe, which is our more sporty bike and more uh, that gears and handbrakes. Um, and there's a more luxury version. And then recently we also launched our, our e-bike, uh, our Power 7 as we call it. Uh, and that's the one that, uh, that's now uh, really ramping up uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, I w I've been waiting to get to this because I, I I saw when you launched it, and then I was talking to your your uh, your your comms uh, PR guy, and he 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 mentioned he was like, oh, this is a big deal, like this has kind of gone crazy, and I uh, so he he couldn't reveal uh, kind of w w to what extent, but maybe you can. I don't know. Can you give a hint? Uh, sort of like what percentage of the business might have been, uh, you know, at launch, then how quickly it's growing and, and, and how you're thinking about it? Yeah, so, um, of course, the, 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 the market dynamics right now, they're, they're crazy about e-bikes, right? Uh, there's a, there's a, an increased investment in, in, in biking infrastructure. Uh, people are thinking about living more healthy, sustainable lives. So how can I leave my car and get on the bike? And then the e-bike is really a, a bike that brings you to, to large distances uh, without being sweaty all the time or, or stuff like that. So the e-bike development is in, 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 in the general sense, it goes very good. Um, and we tap into that with our concept. So you don't need to own a bike. You don't need to use a sharing bike. You use a subscription. Um, and, and we already knew that that was a really, uh, there was a lot high demand for it. But the thing is that, because we, we, we remain ownership over the bikes, we really spend some time in developing the right e-bike, right? To make sure that it, it doesn't break down that often and it's the perfect bike for subscription. So we had already a couple of thousand bikes live uh, at the start of this year, but those were the best that we really learned from. What do we need to improve? What is breaking down often? What are our customers saying? Those things. Um, and then a couple of months ago, we, we launched uh, the new version. And I think beginning next year, we approached uh, the 10,000 mark. So uh, we have 10,000 active members, but it, it will keep, keep on growing. I, I think the, the general market of e-bikes will grow, go to roughly, I think, uh, 15 billion in, in, in 2025. Uh, and we think that, that by that time, um, our uh, customer base can be maybe even one third of it or so can can be e-bike customers. I think that goes uh, really, really rapidly. 
Yeah, well, I, I was seeing that the Netherlands, uh, at this point, 50% of your bike sales are electric. More, yeah. Like, yeah, not, not in revenue, but in uh, amount. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's incredibly exciting. Um, and I also can see as well, for a lot of people, to the, the, the upfront cost of, a, of an e-bike is actually far more... Um, uh, yeah. it's going to stop more people from purchasing a, a, a bike than, for example, a traditional bike, right? So I can see that that market would be even bigger um, in that regard for because, you you know, you're, you're kind of dealing with it. And you're, especially with an e-bike, because I just feel like there's a lot more complexity around it. There's more things to go wrong. You kind of want to have a, a wraparound service for it. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, podcasts recently on that, on that service aspect and thinking about what that buying experience is like for a lot of people and they kind of, the e-bike space, which is it's oftentimes hard to be able to get the servicing and et cetera, et cetera. And that, that you know, since you, since you buy it. Um, so t- t- talk me through what that experience is like. Say for example, you go and pick up a bike in Berlin or, or um, in some of these cities. Um, how does it work for servicing? And then, and then how does it work for, you know, is there one shop that you can go to? Are there multiple shops? Um, yeah. How does, how does that work if you're in that kind of user experience journey? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So, so when you're still, when you are a member, you can upgrade, right? So it's very easy to to upgrade from a, like a Swapfish Deluxe to a Swapfish e-bike. But if you if you if you for example are becoming a member, then you just sign up for us uh, with an online uh, form or via app, and then you can either come to our store and pick up your bike, or we can bring it to you uh, and then uh, uh, at your desired location within the the service area where we operate. Um, And after that, it's it's just using your bike. And if there's anything wrong with it, either it's with your subscription, with your payment, with, uh, with your bike itself, uh, you just give us a call or use our app and then we will take care of it. Um, and, and, and actually it is that, that simple. And that's what we try to be for our customers that you only need to use the bike to go from A to B um, and we will take care of the rest. Uh, you, you have your own key, uh, you, 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 have own, uh, like, like you, you have your own bike. Uh, that also means that you charge, for example, your own battery, you take that with you. Um, those are the things that you need to do yourself. But if there's some, for example, you have a flat tire, you just go to our app, you make an appointment uh, within two days, either at your location, or you can just hop by our shop. uh, And if we can fix it within 10 minutes, you can just keep your own swap feeds. Uh, But if we cannot fix it within 10 minutes, we swap the bike for a similar example that can maybe be a different color, but we set it again to your own height, to your own preferences. Uh, Your battery is charged when you leave um, and you can just keep on continuing uh, as you did before. So, so, so the, the bike that you had that, that broke down, uh, that's going to our warehouse, that's going to be repaired by our own mechanics, that's going to be, have a full safety check, and that can go to a different customer. Um, and that's the beauty about it, because uh, you kind of have your own bike, but when it breaks down, we can swap it, and you have your, your new example you can get going again. I love it. Um- so one one of the kind of obviously the Dutch firms that I love is uh, Van Malf, uh and they the, the, um, the, I love the straight the streamlined approach of only having two models you know the yeah. X two and the uh, or sorry the uh, X three and the S two uh, S two um, yeah. I I could foresee there may being a potential collab between Swapfits and at Van Moof. Mm-hmm. Uh I I have no idea um, there would be I mean I don't know whether or not it would be something that you'd want to go into. Um, 
but the but that idea right of of a um kind of full wraparound servicing aspect is something that i've, I've really admired about how van mouth have done it um if you're looking around at the competition i mean what what do you th- consider the competition in this space yeah, that, there's, that's, a, that's a really good question. And there's different, different ways to look at it. If you really look into the subscription space, uh, we still have limited competition. We have some local competition in cities, uh, but really at scale, uh, there's still no one that I know of actually that operates at, at, at 200,000 uh, members. So within that, uh, um, uh, we, we, are, we have still limited competition. But of course, it's not just a subscription market. It's a biking market in itself. Uh, I think there are still, there will always be people that like to own stuff, right? They like to own a very spe- special bike, maybe a limited edition, I don't know. And I also think Van Moof, they really design beautiful bikes. Uh, but what we do is we, we really design the bike for membership. And that's where, where it's where it's dedicatedly designed for. Um, and in that sense, um, uh, you never see our bikes being sold. Uh, so that's, that's a different market on which we operate. But a customer can choose either to buy such a bike or to start with us with a subscription or maybe even go for something else. And we, we haven't talked a lot yet about, about the sharing market, but that's also a market that I think that will still exist, right? Because it's very complementary to what we do as well. Uh, I mean, if I if yeah, I go shorter term rentals, yeah, yeah. If I go to a different city where Swapis is not yet active, uh, I also use a sharing uh, bike. That's that's perfect for me. But we know that if you if you use really your bike on a daily basis and you want to have no hassle at all, then we know that the subscription model is the best model for you. And, uh, and in the end, also the customer decides and, 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 and we need to see how that works out. Uh, but that's what we are fully aiming for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk me through what a unit economics of the subscription model might look like? So uh, if we're diving into the, the, the model a little bit, um, how much is it for a standard bike or an e-bike on a kind of per month basis? And then can you give any indication or kind of on the back end for you at least, um, you know, what your margins might be for building and maintaining bikes in a you know, year or two year sort of period? Yeah, so so regarding the subscription uh, price is for the, we have, we have actually, what I said, three models. So we have the, the Swapfish Original, which is in Amsterdam uh, being, uh, being uh, subscribed to for 16 euro 50 per month. Uh, then we have our luxury model, which is 19 euro 15 per month. And then we have our e-bike, which is 75 euros uh, per month. And that's all included, right? So that's included theft insurance, uh, swaps, all those kind of things. Um, and uh, so, so if you haven't like, used that bike on a normal basis, uh, there will be no surprises in that one. And I think large large cost drivers for us are, uh, are of course, uh, the whole operation around it to facilitate that. I mean, uh, we need to have some extra bikes on stock to make sure that we have some some swaps, uh, some bikes to swap. Uh, we need to repair the bikes with our own mechanics. We need to bring them to your doorstep uh, with our own swappers. Uh, we have, of course, our stores, uh, which, uh, which, which, which store the bikes, but also the, the, the people that work there and um, where our customers can visit. So, um, so real estate, uh, labor, um, uh, those are large uh, cost drivers in in our model, um, and 
um, in the end also really the quality of the bike. So uh, if we have a low quality bike and it breaks down very much, then all those those costs will go up in, 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 in stock, but also in labor and also in all kinds of things. So um, we really aim for a high quality bike and an efficient operation um, and, and a really um, um, yeah smartly chosen uh, operating model in the city. So we really take good time to choose the location of our stores, choose the location of our warehouses in such a way that, that, that we keep costs in line and make sure that, uh, that we can provide this service for that price to our customers. The thing that surprised me a lot around as you're talking through this is just why there isn't more competition for you given like given what you've what we've talked about and the fact that there are so many bikes and especially as we kind of like see the growth into e-bikes why there hasn't been more um services that have emerged like this yeah um do you have any kind of insight into why that is i hope i'm not the only one seeing the the the, the geniusness about this concept <laughs> no. okay look i i i think that um that Starting this, we see in many cities, we see similar concepts popping up, right? Uh, there, there are bike shops that say, hey, I can easily do this, right? I have 10 bikes, 20 bikes, 100 bikes on stock, and I can easily rent this out. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that's also what we see happening everywhere. But to really bring this to scale, to really service your members one-on-one -on -one at scale, to have that infrastructure both, both physically and digitally in place to do that in a cost-effective way, that's that's something that of course we are you know dedicated on every day to make it happen um and uh i think that that does require a lot of work and a lot of uh special knowledge uh, so i think that that really provides a barrier uh to entry um it doesn't mean that that there will be no competition i mean there 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 will be competition uh we know for sure um uh, but but I think that proves a little of a, like, quite a large barrier to entry to really say okay to 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 facilitate this concept at scale both physically and digitally that that's really a challenge still is <laughs> yeah 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 fantastic um, yeah I can I can foresee someone coming out with an orange front tire or a yellow front yeah, tire or something no, trying to uh, <laughs> and also they do other stuff as well as like uh, red seats and the bells and uh, I also see two two green tires yeah well uh, yeah yeah fun happens um, yeah well no no I mean it's exciting in some ways it's a it's a you know imitation is the greatest form of flattery so yeah um, yeah yeah I, I imagine it's coming um, so we, we, we've kind of uh, skimmed on the top of the, the, the markets that you're in. Uh, so uh, you, you're obviously in the Netherlands, you're in uh, six, you said, and then you're about to launch into a seventh country. Um, can you talk me through the dynamics of each of those those markets and what you're seeing? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So, um, yeah, first of all, we launched in the Netherlands and we grew to, to the largest cities in the Netherlands. And after that, there we, we saw, of course, the Netherlands is a cycling country, but we look how we look at markets is we look at cities. Do you have cities in your country or where you are that, uh, that have a good infrastructure, uh, that have a uh, high density uh, of people, that have our target group, um, and preferably also have already some 
cycling culture in place. Um, and before COVID, uh, this, this was mainly focused on uh, the Netherlands, uh, Denmark, uh, Germany and Belgium. Those, are, those have a lot of uh, cycling cities. Uh, you will be surprised also if you go to Copenhagen, for example, uh, it's, 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 it's just, I think like Amsterdam, so many cyclists, good infrastructure. Uh, so it's really great to see. But what happened, of course, during with the pandemic is we saw a, a significant increase in infrastructure investments. I mean, uh, I, I guess it wouldn't uh, escape to your your mind as well. But uh, all yeah, all, all of the key cities like Paris, Milan, uh, London, uh, they pledged and also directly implemented not just temporary bike lanes, but also like like forever uh, post-pandemic bike lanes, and that really accelerated the, the, the need for us uh, or the market for us to also go to those kind of countries. Um, so yeah, we just recently launched, uh, recently, well, a couple of, a few months ago, we launched Paris uh, and we launched uh, Milan. Um, and we are about to launch London still this year, uh, where it's, it's made possible due to the current uh, infrastructure investments and the, and the high adaptation towards biking. Yeah. Oh, that's incredibly exciting. Um, so two, two questions that I, 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 I want to follow up with on, on that. So one is, uh, one is how do you on the back end ensure that you've got all your scaling and supply chain and everything set up? Because that, that to me, I mean, I'm just watching Van Mouth, for example, like the, the, <laughs> it's been a world of pain to scale, uh, especially for their e-bike and they're shipping it everywhere and all that sort of stuff. Um, how has that been for you? Are you? I mean, you're obviously going with the sort of the same models that you've done, but um, has it been a problem for you, especially in this last year or so with this kind of explosion in demand? No, with us, it's all, uh, it's all, it's, it's easy. It's very, it's, it's, uh, so, so, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 uh, of course, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty hard work and, uh, uh, yeah, for sure. There, there are, uh, there are problems popping up all the time. I think that the, the sourcing problem of e-bikes is, is, is really, uh, pressured right now. I mean, uh, the market is very hot. Everybody wants to have those, uh, those engines and those batteries. Um, so of course that, that, that's a challenge, um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's our main focus. So first of all, uh, when, when we scaled, we needed to find the right partner, of course, that also could provide those bikes. Um, and we, we saw the, that, okay, both physically, but we need also the digital support in that. So we tried to look for an you know, plug and play solutions, but that w- didn't work out. So we, we built our own dedicated system uh, that's, of course, continually, uh, continually uh, innovated uh, to make sure that, that we provide to those members. And I think that one of the most challenging thing in, in scaling this one is, is, is to open up a new country uh, because then yeah, you need to find out the new, the new the re- legislation, the culture, uh, how people work, uh, communication, language, you know, uh, uh, Belgium has three uh, languages we need to facilitate. So uh, those are the things that, that you run into during scaling. Um, and and but once you once you are there uh, in a country, um, it's you can pretty rapidly add new cities to it. Uh, and because our bike uh, is made in such a way that our deluxe in the Netherlands can go to Germany, that one can go to Belgium, that can go to every country. So that's very scalable. 
Um, but of course, the, 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 the market dynamics, the customer dynamics per country are different. So that also requires a lot of time and focus uh, to, to, to actually realize in a successful way. How much of the, um, the local sales are dependent on, um, for example, subsidies or um, I, I think about, for example, I know in the uh, in the Netherlands, you just had the, or I think it was last year, you shifted so that you could include e-bikes in your sort of commuter commuter benefits. Um, so that, the, that for, for example, uh, uh, like a workplace would provide someone like, public transport or they would support them for their car or whatever and now they've included and said for example like we'll help you purchase or and or support an e-bike um how much is that a kind of determinant for for uptake in the markets that you launch into or is it sort of you know less of an issue um in many cases that is that that's from for a b2b uh market well you provide the bike via an employer to their employees um, and though we have some examples in our portfolio that that uh, that that rely on that, uh, the majority of our customers are direct to consumer. It's a di- it's a B two C concept, um, and in many cases it's a direct to consumer. So in that case, we we do not rely on on subsidies on support uh, uh, for uh, for from the government in that sense. Uh, what we do rely on is in many cases uh, the the investment in infrastructure in that sense. Uh, so that's for us uh, also yep. a real catalyst for, for for growth as well. Um, but regarding the the, the subsidies, uh, the larger part of us is is direct to consumer, and uh, um, there's no not a large portion of our customer base uh, reliant on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm incredibly I I I can just see there being. Um a massive uh, opportunity in that space and the sort of like, you know, in some early days of Apple, I remember it was uh, when the iPhone came out, it was like, oh no, nobody's doing kind of doing that in the, the, the B2B space. And then all, all of a sudden they kind of worked out how to make it the default phone and it just exploded the market. It's really exciting. Um, all right. Uh, we're, we're finishing up. We've got kind of about three minutes left, but there's one question that I wanted to ask, which is, um, do you include, um, any sort of tracking on the bike or connectivity on the bike um, at this stage, and and th- can you talk me through the decision making process of why or you know like why you've kind of come to that decision? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Good one. So what we currently we have we do not have active tracking on all of our bikes, right? We are piloting um, uh, this for our e-bikes specifically. Uh, but we do not have it for the majority of our of our portfolio right now, and that is uh, the the original and the looks. Um, the reason for that is is first of all we ask ourselves is what value can this bring for our members, and uh, the majority of our members uh, that that respondent is also that it's in many cases uh, about when the bike goes missing. So when you when you when we say missing because in some cases it's stolen, but in some cases also you you forgot where it is, right? Uh, we've all been there, I guess, uh, <laughs> <laughs> after a few drinks Friday night. It, well, it's a, I, I laugh because it's a very specific thing to Amsterdam where you kind of, you go and there are bike parks with like 10,000 bikes in them, less so uh, in, a, in a city yeah. like New Zealand. But yeah, So in yeah, many think, cases, yeah. we saw that, that, that for directly for our member, uh, it's about the, the, the missing of the bike and, uh, and, and to really provide, uh, that's, what, that's, the, that's the thing that we try to solve uh, for our customers and, and that is in many cases possible for the e-bike because it already has a power source 
but for our mechanical bikes it's much much more difficult of course there's there's a lot of value other value to to gain and to create with tracking of bikes uh, you can help uh, allocate infrastructure investments all those kinds of things but but we started with asking these questions for our customers um, and 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 in that sense uh, the missing one is the one that we tried to solve um, and but right now uh, um, we are piloting that for our e-bikes and uh, uh, planning to upscale it if it's a successful uh, in that sense yeah. yeah it was it's been it's been one of these things of um, uh, like Yes, especially on the mechanical bikes. I think e-bikes are a little bit easier because uh, you've got a lot more of the power source and all that sort of stuff. But it's it's about this idea of, um, for me, when I think about it, the, the overall job to be done. And what you want is to know where your bike is and if it goes missing, that it's easy to recover and all that sort of stuff. Because if you're on the hook for 75 euros a month, yeah. then you kind of want to know that you can get it back pretty easily and things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, the the Van Malf model seems to be very popular in that regard, that, that the 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 ability to track your bike is actually a feature that a lot of people really appreciate. Yeah. Um, but obviously you have to make that trade off in the sort of GDPR aspect yeah. as well. Yeah. Excellent, I just want to say thank you very much um for 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 following me through with this and um and being able to share this is such a wonderful um wonderful business and i'm really really excited for you uh, and the team about w- where you're going to grow to and we'll hopefully have you on soon uh, again and we can we can chat about it uh where you've got to no thanks uh, thanks a lot for having me and uh and uh, this is uh, this is great to to tell our story and of course there's still uh, a nice journey ahead of us so i guess we will be seeing each other in the, in the space Excellent.